0: Now we go through this candle. This is the Advent wreath, and uh, why we light an Advent wreath? That it helps prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. Advent, the the, the time when Jesus, when God Himself came to Earth, which is amazing. And a couple of symbolism that we've been going through this series. The first one is the wreath itself, a, a a circular thing of green, evergreen. It reminds us that the evergreen reminds us of life. That in this world that we were dead in our own sin god came and brought us life but not just any life like a wreath that goes in a circle it never ends eternal life and we begin by starting there and realizing this is why we celebrate there's a wonderful christmas in that that man shall live forevermore because of christmas day how true that God has given us the ability. He has overcome death on our behalf. And he started doing it because he, it, was a, it was a plan that he had from a long time ago. And he, aimed, and, he, and he came. And the reason that Jesus came was to be a Savior so that we could have eternal life. We begin there. And then in the first week that we go after that is, is we light this candle. And it was the candle of prophecy. And we remember that, that God came into this world... And it wasn't just that God decided, okay, I guess I'm going to save them. But He foretold it years in advance. And he said, I'm going to, in fact, the very, the very time that we fell, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, God promised that there would be a time that salvation would come. And over 300 times in the Old Testament, God spoke to the prophets for, for thousands of years. And he he told them, I'm coming and this is who I'm going to be and this is who the Messiah is going to be and this is what he's going to do. So we would know exactly when and where and who and what the Messiah would be. And so we call this the candle of hope and we spent a week and we prepared our hearts reminding ourselves of the hope of Christ. We look back and remember the times like where Israel, where they waited, waited for centuries for their Messiah. And now we wait for his return. And just as he kept his word to come as the Savior, He was going to come again as King, and we look forward to that, and we prepare our heart for Him. The next week is uh, that we uh, prepare our hearts for is uh, after hope, as we have peace, and we remember that when Jesus came, it, He was the Prince of Peace. When Jesus came, He was to offer that wonderful sacrifice that allowed us to be at peace with God. When we first sinned, it tells us in Scripture, we have rebelled against the Almighty. And all people sin, right? All fall short of the glory of God. And we make ourselves as enemy when we say to God, we will take this creation, thank you very much. I will choose what's right and wrong, thank you very much. I don't have to listen to you, God. I'm going to do things my way all of us have waged this war between us and God, and we all feel it. The world feels it, this weight of sin and guilt and shame that that keeps us locked in destructive ways. And when we all pretend that we're our own king and our own God, then we wage all kinds of little wars between other people, don't we? And we wage all kinds of big wars between people and other nations. But Jesus came, and he brought peace peace between us and our savior peace between us and our creator and also peace between us and others for just as because I've been forgiven means that I can also forgive i wronged god and when i didn't deserve forgiveness he gave it to me anyway and that means that there are others out there who are wrong and will continue to wrong us, but we can forgive because we have been forgiven. Jesus came and he brings us peace. And what a wonderful thing that is. No more worry as to, obviously, what happens when we die, we're taken care of, but even in this life now, God becomes our father, a protector, a provider. And he also becomes the example, helping us to be able to to bring peace between those whom we have created our own little wars with, right? Because he's king. We have the candle of peace. And then we take a week and we celebrate the rose-colored candle, which is, oh, that's just joy. That's one of my favorites, second favorite of the candles by him. Then when Jesus came, it was joy to the world. Wasn't that with the angels? That was with the, the prophecy? That's what they said? Hey, listen, we've got good news of great joy for all people. For today, a Messiah has been born. We don't live in a time of just anticipation. We do live in a time of anticipation for his return, but we also live a time of great promise. This is the era of grace. Aren't you happy that we get to show up today on a snowy day and we can sit there and be comfortable and drink coffee and donuts? We don't have to bring sheeps and lambs to be slaughtered? Aren't you happy about that? That's really good. We live a day. You can wear a cotton-poly blend, and it's okay. And eat lobster dinner. We live in an amazing age of God's grace and mercy and kindness, joy. The weight of righteousness is no longer on your shoulders. God has done what none of us could do. God Himself came to live amongst us. He knows what it's like to be human. He died on our behalf so that we could be with him. In this world, we will have trouble, but Jesus said, take heart. He leaves us this joy that he overcame the world. This isn't the end of the story. In fact, this is only a tiny little sliver of your story. This is a blink, just a blip in the, like right now, you live Forever. And what God is doing in you now is going to mark and shape you for glory. This is a time of great joy because Christ came. And today, we light the candle of love. A purple candle. Purple is a color of preparation. It's a color that reminds us that we need to receive God's love. That God came into the world because He loved us, and God was prepared to love people, the problem is oftentimes is that we are not prepared to love God. Will we receive the messiah and that's what this candle is about and I think that we have this wonderful story today of joseph and we and we talk about how he prepared him. He was prepared to to receive the Messiah and how he does that through love. And we're going to talk about that and look in Scripture today and how he does this. But love is so central into the person and the message and the purposes of Christ. We need to be prepared for him. And then tonight, we get to light the white candle. And you'll have to come back to find out what that's for. So, (laughs) there you are. We have a memory verse, Isaiah 9-6, that kind of summarizes all of these things together. Isaiah 9, 6, a prophecy 700 years before the Messiah came, and this is what it said. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That is our God. He came, he did it. And this morning, we look at at how we prepare for that, this amazing God, this Wonderful Counselor. You know we don't know much about uh, Joseph, but what we do know is pretty darn impressive. And so if you have your Bible, if you would take it out, turn it to uh, Matthew chapter one, and that's at the very beginning, the very first page in the New Testament. Isn't that fun? You get to go there this morning. It's on uh, page 700 or 675, if you have one of our Bibles. If you need a Bible, forgot yours, whatever, got plenty in the back right there. If you need a new Bible, take it our gift to you. While it's there, and you know, uh, as you look here, and we're going to talk about Joseph's story. Do you remember like what uh, the last sentence of that skit that we had today is? I love that so much. He says, "I know why he chose Mary. I just don't know why God chose me." Have you ever felt that way? Like I know why God chose other people. I can see like He could come and redeem other people, but I just can't really wrap my head around why on earth would He come and why would He choose me? Let's talk about that a little today. And here's here's a spoiler. It's because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he loved Joseph too. In fact, uh, but he didn't. He could have picked anyone in the entire world to be the guy who's going to father his uh, his son, and uh, he picks Joseph, which speaks probably highly of him, doesn't it? I mean, if you think about it, if we go back one slide, that would be awesome. Um, okay, there we are. You got a preview. Okay, so. Let's talk about Joseph. Here's a few things that we do know from history. Joseph was probably between 17 and 21 years old, right? So that's, he's a young man. Except for, we know from uh, archaeology, when they dug up the, the people who lived at that same time in, in, in Jerusalem and in Israel, at the first century, that the average life expectancy for a man at that time was less than 30. So he's middle-aged. Okay? It was hard. It was a hard life. We know that in that brief period of time, he was probably was marrying uh, we have Mary was probably 14 to, to 17 years old, probably an arranged marriage that their parents set up, uh, was a, a faithful young man, right? And then after he gets between 17 and 30, whenever he dies, right? he has five boys. He has. There is Jesus, and there's James, and there's Joseph, and there's Simon, and there's Judas. All with J's except for Simon. I don't know what happened with him, right? (laughs) But five boys, right? Uh, Two of them, obviously one is savior of the world. One becomes leader of the early church. Uh, You thought, not not bad for a, a carpenter a young man. Also, if he only lived about 30 years old, we we know that Joseph died before Jesus was on the cross because Jesus, uh, he talks to John and says, take care of Mary. Uh, we we see that his absence served from places in Jesus' ministry. Uh, and so, he, he didn't have a long life, but he had a eternal impact. And what a privilege. And uh, And so, we see in this scripture here, I think, a few things about not a lot about Joseph, but some ways that he did prepare himself and the world for the Messiah. And he did it by demonstrating love. And so, when we look at the first thing, if, if, uh, let me read this passage to you. It starts here in um, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be uh, married to Joseph. and he gave him the name Jesus. So some ways that, G, that uh, Matthew or um, Matthew talks about how Joseph prepares for Christ, how he demonstrates love. The first one is he demonstrates love and mercy. And I think this is very fitting because God demonstrates his love and mercy to us, right, by sending Christ. But look what Joseph does. At verse 16, it says, you know, he was a righteous man. He was a man who, who honored the law. And wouldn't it be cool, like, if in the Bible... It could be said of you, you were a person that obeys the law. Like you actually followed it, you are a righteous person. That's pretty high praise. And here's this guy who's caught between law. He does what is right and mercy. It says he finds out that his, his fiancée, and in fact, back then a betrothed was like a super engagement right, it's something that we don't have in our culture. But if you were betrothed, right, if your parents arranged a thing marriage and you agreed to it, right, you were, uh, you'd have to have a divorce in order to get unbetrothed, right? So it says they were pledged to each other. It's not like, oh, yeah, she said yes, and they got a ring and just take the ring off and walk away. No, it was a big deal. And actually, in, in scripturally, like in, in the word, if somebody commits adultery, you could be executed for that, although they didn't really practice that much by the first century, I mean that's how harsh it could go. But it was a big deal. But you think about this righteous young man. He waits, he works hard. He's from twelve years old, he's working with his dad, he's learning how to become a carpenter, and his dad probably passes away like most men at that age or they, they died early and he probably's taking care of his mom and he's got he's he's working hard. And he waits and he waits and he honors God and he goes to synagogue and he does all the right things and he gets pledged to this young woman. And she seems to be really great. And all of a sudden, he finds out that she's pregnant. Now, I don't know if Mary told him this or if he heard it around back channel, but I imagine either way it would have been kind of an awkward conversation. Right? How do you tell a guy that his fiancée is pregnant? Right? The first thing, if Mary told him, you're like, hey, um, I got some news," Right? I'm pregnant, I know we haven't done anything, and God did this, right? And you're like, uh-huh. So either she's crazy or she's wicked, right? That's what you're thinking. And if you he heard it from back channels, you know, there would be the assumption that there was something going on between the two of them, like he wasn't righteous, or that his bride-to-be was not faithful. That would make you a little upset. There'd be a sense of betrayal. There'd be a sense of being let down, a sense of, God, I did everything the way you told me to do things. I've been, I've honored you. I've fulfilled the law that like you've asked me to. All of this, why this one thing? There would be a lot of stuff that would be going on. But we see Joseph, he had the right to shame Mary, didn't he? I mean, he had the right, really, in the law, they could have stoned her to death. Although, at the time, it would have been pretty difficult because the Romans didn't like Jews going out and just stoning people in the streets. They were kind of upset about that. But, But he could have done it. More so, he could have just gone out and just shamed her. He could have said, I am righteous. I didn't do this. And I want everyone to know that I didn't do this. I've honored God and I am not the unrighteous one here. He could have saved his own name because that's exactly what it would have been about. He could have gone and said, you know what? Mary has done this thing and it wasn't me. I still can keep my good name. And I'll tell you as a person that a good name is something that is hard to earn and it is something that is very valuable. In fact, if you want to wound me, Amy will know this and testify to it. Attack my character, right? That's why when I was when I coach, that's the hardest thing. When I have parents that don't like me and then they start to attack your character because you're trying to push their kids, right? That's like the worst possible thing. You're like, no, right? That's If you have a good name, you want to keep that. And I think, Joseph, this would have been motivation. He Character righteousness mattered to him. But he could have saved himself in his own name or he could have protected this young woman. This young woman who he at the time thought had... Betrayed him, and what does he choose in this tension between what the law allows him to do and mercy? He chooses mercy. I mean, this is before he knows that Jesus is the Messiah. This is before he knows that God is really involved here. He says in verse nineteen, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wanted to do things right, but he wanted to be merciful to her. maybe he offered the benefit of the doubt, maybe just to be kind. This shows his character. I think there is this thing that we see here in, in, uh, in scripture hosea six six is a passage that even Jesus quotes uh, several times as a prophet that that uh, spoke way back in, in the time when israel was and, and, and Judah were um, struggling with are they going to be righteous or not and God sends them these prophets, and, and these prophets were there saying, listen, you can't just go through the motions. You can't just say, because we have a temple and we have all of the religious sacrifices that we can act however we want. God actually wants our heart, So he sends them these prophets and say, you've got to be consistent in your faith. And Hosea, the book of Hosea, is a wonderful book talking about how we need to actually practice what we believe, right? And he says in this, in this book of Hosea, where God is calling the people back from hypocrisy and back into real relationship and love, he says this, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And Jesus quotes this later on to the Pharisees who say, you know, talk about how they they do all of the law and they do these things. And Jesus says, listen, you need to figure out, he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That God wants us to be able to be the kind of people who extend mercy and love. So what that means is that we can use this Bible as, as, a, as a bat, can't we? And when you can find in Scripture all kinds of ways to beat somebody down, because we are all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. Right? So if, if I look into your life long enough, I can find lots of ways that I know that you are not in compliance with this, and you could do the same thing with me, and we could beat each other up. But that's not why God gave us the word. He says from you, listen, you need to be people that receive mercy. You also then ought to be people that extend mercy. It's a lamp unto our feet, not a bat to beat you over the head. When we find that the word of God is is to help us live better ways so our lives can be better, not so I can show you how awful you are. And Joseph got this. He had the heart of Of God, and this, he had the heart that God said, "I I want." He saw that the word in the law; he could have just beat up Mary, but instead, he wanted to show her kindness and compassion because that wasn't against the law. And he prepares the way for Jesus by extending love and mercy. How fitting! And we look at how, when Christ came, how God prepared the way of our salvation by extending us mercy not giving us what we deserve, but giving us so much better than we deserve. And I think it's very interesting that the, the stepfather of the Messiah begins with this. Before he even knows. So the second thing we find is Joseph demonstrates love then in faith. And we see this starting in verse 20. It says, but uh, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now notice, this, Joseph didn't just take immediate action. He wasn't a hothead. Right? He didn't just go, well, I guess I'm going to divorce her right now and just march down to the, you know, the, wherever a divorcer even quietly. He sleeps on it. <laughs> he takes time. He wants to consider. He wants to do things right. And then God speaks to him in a dream. And I think this is cool because there was another Joseph in Scripture that got spoken to in dreams. Uh, how interesting how God continues that on. But God speaks to Joseph in a dream, and he says this, verse 20, Don't be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife. And it speaks to the very the motive that I'm sure Joseph had. What if I do take her to be my wife? She's pregnant. We're engaged. Everyone's going to think that uh, we were together early, right? Everyone's going to think that we weren't righteous. If I take her in, it's going to soil my name. Right? Not only that, how am I going to raise this kid? I don't even know whose kid it is. Right? And what if she was raped or something like this? Right? He's got that to deal with. I mean, there's a lot of fear that Joseph could have had. A lot of fear. And God speaks right to his heart and says, don't be afraid of that. And here's why. And this is the part that I think takes faith the first part is, is trusting God don't be afraid it's going to be okay you're going to do this it's going to cost you right there's going to be a cost to it but don't be afraid it's going to be worth it but here's why the second part that takes a great amount of faith it says uh, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit how I don't know we know that it wasn't it wasn't sexual it's just that God can make things life he can just make life anywhere anytime however he wants and God did a miracle Precisely because it was supposed to be a miracle. And Joseph had to trust that God did this thing. He actually had to believe it. And he does. And here's the thing that we find that what he does is that we see that God, when he comes to this earth, he says, this is the reason why he would come. And we have to accept this with faith that God came to this world. He came because he so loved us. That's why he sent His on the begotten son. When Joseph asked, why me? I can't understand why he chose me. God didn't choose Joseph because Joseph was just an awesome guy. I mean, Joseph really was an awesome guy. He could pick anybody he wanted to, but God also chose you and me. God chose us because God is loving. That's why God chose us. Because God is merciful. Because God cares. Now, the thing is, God says he wants us to choose him. That's why, you know, you, like everyone walking down the street is like, zap to heaven. Right, Because in heaven, we would make heaven just like this earth, and that would be lousy. Wouldn't we agree? But we have a chance to choose him, but God chose us. But he says there's something that he wants from us, and that is faith. He wants us to trust him. That's why it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes would not perish and have eternal life. That's choosing God back. That's a two-way relationship of love. There wasn't so much that it's amazing that God chose Joseph. God is infinitely loving. God is infinitely merciful. The question is, are you, like Joseph, be willing to choose God back? And Joseph did. He believed God. He believed that God kept his word. And so then what does he do? Well, he demonstrates love in a third way that I think is something that most of us fail to think. is obedience. A lot of times we don't think of obedience as something that is... Uh, a happy word, but I'll tell you, it's an amazing word. It's like obligation. People think, hear the word obligation and are like, oh, that's a horrible word. No, not really. Aren't you glad that God is obligated to save you? He does, it's not that he just has to. He wants to. But by righteousness, he's going to. There's no other way around it. There's security in this. Well, his obedience is another thing that's a great word. It's a freeing word. It says, you know what? There's something that God wants us to do, and we have the capacity to actually do it. Now, God didn't tell Joseph, now go and be a perfect human being. He said, go and marry Mary. That's what I want you to do. And what does Joseph do? Well, he proves that he loves God more than he loves himself. Right? He, he proves that he, his love for God, his faith in God was, was real because he actually does. It says, uh, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. He didn't wait. That's obedience. He didn't go to Mary. He woke up and said, I had a crazy dream. I need to think about this for a while. I might still divorce you. Now, when he woke up, he's like, this is what God has. God is going to be doing something amazing that's bigger than my brain, and I am on board and I will do it. Obedience was immediate, and it was complete. Because look what it says here. Not only did he take Mary to be his wife, but he didn't consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. He was married to her. He had every right. But you know what? Sometimes when you are in the kingdom of God, you don't get to do what you have every right to do. Sometimes faith causes us to put aside our rights for the betterment of other people, for the purposes of God. That's why it says in Romans, you know, a lot of things are permissible. Just because permissible doesn't mean something you should do. And Joseph waited. He said, you know, God is doing this. He's doing a miracle, and I don't want to get in the way of the miracle. And so he puts off his rights as a husband, and he says, no, I'm going to take care of this woman. I'm going to take her home. I'm going to take care of her, but I'm not going to get all the benefits yet. Not only that, when Jesus was born, Joseph could have named the baby anything he wanted, That was his right as the dad. And what does he do? He names him Jesus, just as he was commanded. You know why it's so important that he named him Jesus? Because Jesus means God saves. That's what the name means. And that's awesome. God wanted the world so badly to know exactly why he came. He even names his kid that. God saves. Who are you? I'm God saves. What are you going to do? I'm saving. Right? There would be no misunderstanding. And Joseph didn't get in the way of God. He didn't even take that one small privilege to name his firstborn son. He said, this is to God and God gets to do it. I'm going to obey him. He demonstrates love. He prepares the world for the Messiah by demonstrating love and disobedience you know in doing that we find that there's some really cool things that god has done in here that god became one of us somehow mary is is becomes pregnant through the power of the holy spirit and jesus is not he's fully man but he's also fully god and god keeps this amazing prophecy that and even says in here it's amazing which means that the um, verse 22 All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's a prophecy that no one could figure out how God was going to do because it's bigger than our brains. How could somebody be, somebody be fully God and fully man at the same time? I don't know. It's not a contradiction, it's just bigger than our understanding. We can't figure it out, which lets us know that God's bigger than our brains, which is awesome. And he did it. But you know what? Joseph could have thwarted this whole thing. Isn't it amazing? I mean, Joseph, even as a righteous man, through the law, he could have thwarted God's plans. If Joseph was not a loving man, if Joseph was more concerned about his image and his rights instead of what God was going to do, Joseph could have destroyed this. Joseph could have killed Mary, had her destroyed. Joseph could have shamed Mary so that no one would ever pay attention to her child. Joseph could have gone through and, and he could have taken his Mary home to be his full wife and all this, and then no one ever would have believed the virgin birth. And then they wouldn't, we would look back in Scripture and say, well, how do we? He didn't fit, fulfill a virgin shall conceive. He didn't fulfill the prophecies. Joseph could have destroyed and stepped in the way of God's plans through the law, doing everything righteously. He still could have stepped in the way, but he didn't. Why? Because Joseph demonstrates love. He prepares the world and himself for the Messiah. And in the same way, that's what we need to do. So when we look at this passage's story, which is I think is a pretty cool story, but we see that there are some things that God calls us to do. The first one is First uh, John 3:18, uh, it says, "Dear children, let us not love each other with speech, but with actions and the truth." Right How cool is that? We see that what Joseph does, he, he demonstrates love, not just by just believing the right things, but by acting the right way. And God calls us. He says, you know what? If you say you love somebody and then you see them hurting and then you don't show any compassion on them, you don't really love them. Right? And he does the same thing between us and him. And he tells us how to love and he wants mercy instead of just raw obedience. He wants us to show the same kind of compassion and forgiveness that he's shown us. He wants us to be as committed to peace as he is. I think that's a pretty amazing thing. So if I, if I had a moral to this story, and we look back and I look at Joseph, I think it's this, he's got to love. That's the moral. When you read about Joseph's story, this is what it's all about. To show love and mercy. That's what we're called to do. God's shown us great mercy to show our love in that way, but also show love and faith. And this time of year, thousands of years after the Messiah was born, after Jesus came, and we're still waiting on his return, There are a lot of people who forget why we have this celebration. And I think part of what we need to do is remember to show our love and faith. This time of year, not to get so caught up in all the other celebration and things, but we forget why we're celebrating. It's not about just us, but that God so loved the world. And to actually believe that God came and remember what that means. Prepare our hearts to receive that love in faith, but also to show that love in obedience. To say, this time of year, it's not about my agenda. Joseph didn't get his agenda, and he got something much better. God is calling us to be part of something bigger. He invites us to experience his love, to prepare our hearts, to receive it, but he also says, I want you to prepare your hearts to share love, to care for other people, to forgive this season, and to let go of old wars. This is the time of year that we get to to demonstrate charity in a way that most people are now open to, to show kindness and compassion, to show our love and obedience to God. So how do we apply this? Well, if you take out your your connection card, I have got a couple of short uh, things here, and I'll have the worship band come out uh, for this first thing we have is this week you could commit to, why don't you memorize Hosea 9-6? If you haven't memorized it yet, this is a great time to do it. We've been talking about it for five weeks. Um, for it has a, a child is born and a son is given. The government of God is on his shoulders. Isn't there peace in that, knowing that we don't have to all have our own government, that God is the one who rules? And he's a wonderful counselor and a mighty God. He's going to tell you the right things and do the right things. He's an everlasting Father. He will not abandon you. He will care for you and love you from here on forth, right? Receive His love. Prepare your heart for that. And He's a Prince of Peace. That's what He does. Maybe what you do this week is not just memorize Isaiah 9-6, but maybe you read Matthew 1. Read the story of how Jesus came into this world. This is our Messiah. It is a wonderful, joy-filled story. And maybe you could use some wonderful enjoy and so you can read this and you will find it. Or how about this? Maybe what you need is you need to receive God's love. Maybe you feel like Joseph in our, in our skit did today. Maybe you feel like I just don't get why God would choose me. Well, get over it. He did. Maybe that's where you begin to prepare your heart for. How can you possibly demonstrate God's love to other people if you don't receive it yourself? This is what it means. Accept God's forgiveness. Accept that God is caring for you. Accept his provision. Accept his will in your life, even when things aren't going the right way. There's this thing we always say, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, we all say that. You know what that means, all the time? All the time means sometimes when things aren't going great in your life. God is still good. And if God is good, even if my life isn't good, it means God is doing something good in my life when it doesn't seem like it's so and so good. That God is still good, that gives us hope, doesn't it? Receive His love. Maybe that's what you need to do is begin with God as saying, "You know what? I actually accept that God loves me, and I can trust Him, just like Joseph, express and demonstrate that love and trusting Him in faith. Or maybe what you need to do is, is share God's love. What a wonderful time of year to be able to do that. To go and to not just beat people up with the gospel, but the gospel's good news. There are so many people in our world that just have no concept of how much God loves them. The purpose that he has in life, the peace that he can bring, the joy that God actually brings into their, can bring into their life, the difference that he actually makes. You get to be the one that can tell them about it. Maybe it is your testimony, what God has done for you. Maybe it's an act of great kindness for somebody. Maybe it's an act of forgiveness, but you get to share God's love. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now maybe you get to go and share that wonderful gift with others and the good news. Maybe that's what you commit to this week. Maybe there's another commitment. I encourage you to make those or a prayer request. You know, we pray to this guy. We talk to him every week. And if you'd let me talk to him on your behalf, I'm going to do it anyway. So might as well tell me what I could talk about for you. Uh, That would be awesome. Um, And then in a minute, we'll take our offering. We do take these connection cards, please. Put them in the offering baskets as they're passed with your tithes and your gifts. And uh, that's that. Let's pray for our commitments and for our offerings, and uh, then we'll close with some worship. Father, we are grateful for you and your kindness and your love and your mercy. Lord, we are grateful that you're the kind of God who doesn't just uh, abandon us, but you're the kind of God who, even when we didn't deserve any, well, we certainly didn't deserve your mercy, we deserved your wrath, but instead you willingly took your own wrath on our behalf so that we could receive your grace and your love and your riches. Father, I pray that you prepare us to receive your love this Christmas. And today, I pray that you would open our hearts. Let us get out of the way. Lord, let us choose you. And Father, I pray also that you would help us to share your love with those around us and those we have contact with. God, I pray that we would have the ability to extend grace, Father, in such a way that brings you glory. Father, for our commitments that we make, help us to keep them in a way that honors you, Father, for the tithes and the offerings that we had the privilege of giving back to you, Father. May it be an investment in your great kingdom. Let we ask all of this in the wonderful name of our Savior, your Son, Jesus. Amen.